Hi, it's Matt, and welcome to the second series of the Cult Creator Experience, a podcast designed to share with you great digital leaders, podcasting, and content creation. I'm on a mission to help you find success through content creation. In this second series, I wanted to try something a little bit different. Series one was all about my process and sharing with you what I consider when I'm making a podcast. And that got me thinking, I wonder what people consider success in content creation. So in the second series, I'm going to go out there and find other creators. I've got 10 different stories to share with you and 10 different definitions of what success looks like from their content creation. But before we get into the show, can I just ask quickly that you hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcasting app of choice so that you can keep up with all of these incredible tales of success through content and podcasting. And without further ado, let's get into the podcast. In this episode of The Creator Experience, we are joined by Elizabeth Ruth of ER Marketing. ER Marketing specializes in a story-first approach to content creation. And true to form, Elizabeth shares her story today. We talk about how messy it was at the start of her journey, going from a VA that does everything to niching right down to the stuff she loves. We talked about how Elizabeth gets the best stories out of her clients and how she uses processes to identify the marketing priorities. Elizabeth shares her thoughts on short-form video and how it's made such a massive impact on her business and her personal brand. I loved this interview with Elizabeth. It was great fun. I especially loved her idea of embrace the zero. Get out there. There's no one listening. Great. This is a time to rehearse. So let's get into the show and I hope you enjoy it. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me today. How are we? We're very good. Thanks for having me, Matt, and everyone else who's listening. You're very, very welcome. Let's jump straight into it. Would you introduce yourself, and you haven't got a podcast, but introduce your business, please? Yes. So I own ER Marketing Services, and we specialize in designing marketing strategies and working with our clients to write their content for their websites, their blog posts, their social media, and their emails or newsletters. And we are a little bit different than the other traditional marketing agency that you would hand over your content to and not really have any input. We do an interview style approach. So we are getting the stories, the authority, your passion for why you do what you do, and we're wordsmithing it. You don't have to worry about that part. You just have to come and talk about what you love talking about. And we make that into content to push it out to other people. We also work smarter, not harder. We will take one of those pieces. Let's say, for example, it's a blog post. We will chop that up. It can become your social media posts, up to five posts, sometimes more, sometimes less, depending on the length or what you're talking about. We also will use that in your emails or newsletters. And all of our activities are based on your goals. Do you have a particular service or product you're wanting to sell that month or promote? Do you have an upcoming workshop? You want to get butts in seats, you know, for a class that you're going to be having. Uh, Whatever your goals are, we also make sure that's at the forefront part of your content strategy. 
That's amazing. What led you to starting ER Marketing Services? Well, uh, this goes back a little bit. I'll tell you kind of my lead up professionally uh, in short notes. Yes, please. Thanks. <laughs> I was a professional fundraiser in charge of hundreds of millions of dollars for capital campaigns. So new buildings or equipment for hospitals and universities, new wow. programs. Um so yeah, that was a lot of fun working with influential and affluential members of the community and feeling good. And that tell, talk about stories. When you're talking to a potential donor, you're sharing why it's important to you as a volunteer and why you feel you have that connection to the person and it might mean something to them as well. So it all starts with stories. Yeah. Uh, then I had... Children decided to stay home, so had about a decade at home uh, raising them, which was wonderful. Had my own home daycare, and I noticed when it was time to phase out of that part of my life and what am I going to do now? Am I going to work for someone else? Am I going to start my own business? And I realized I really love the marketing part, even of the daycare you know, sharing, this is what your child has done all day. Here's the menu. I had to attract new clients. So I really loved that just naturally. So it made sense. And if you're looking at figuring out, if you're listening and thinking, okay, I have to figure out my business. It does not happen in a moment. It happens in a series of, I think it took me a couple of years to finally land on, hey, I love marketing. I am naturally learning about it and not getting paid for it. I love stories. Yeah. I love to watch movies. I love to tell stories. I love to read books, watch TV series. So I also have an English degree and combining all those together, then it came to me one day finally, and I knew that I just had to start a marketing agency that focused on the storytelling. So um, you'd made that big decision. It was a perfect storm there. Stories, more stories from having kids as well. Yes. Learning to, you know, organize chaos, tell stories. It's all, all the ingredients you needed for a marketing agency. What was your first step in getting your marketing agency off the ground? I'd say the first step was deciding what I wanted to do. And then again, it was a messy beginning. When I first started, Mm. I was going to be a virtual assistant and I could do everything. I could book appointments. I could do YouTube videos and help with those. Yeah. And eventually over time, I realized just because I can do it doesn't mean that I necessarily want to do it. Mm. And so I, I cut away all of the things that didn't light me up, even though I could do it, but I didn't want to. And now today, that's why I'm so focused because I also looked at what makes sense, what works together so that mm-hmm. I could attract clients and maximize the value of how I could help them in marketing their business. Yeah, right. So let's talk about your clients. Mm-hmm. Um When you started out, did you identify a specific target market? And if you did, how did you find that target market? I felt that I could relate to moms because I had just come out. I'm still a mom, but I'd come out of the, I wanted to have my own business so that I could stay home, be available for school trips. I could control my schedule around my children's schedule. Right. So I pretty much looked at myself and I thought, how would I like to be served at this point in my life? Or, you know, a couple of years behind where I am now. And so females, 35 to 55, Canada and the U.S., tended to be who I chose. Not a specific industry. 
In addition to having a service-based business, I also have a handmade business where I design knit and crochet character hats and I write children's books to tell each character's story. See, I love writing. I love stories. (laughs) Yeah, you love stories. Always comes back to a story, doesn't it? It sure does. And uh, because that's very rare for a marketing agency to be able to understand product as well as service businesses. Mm. So I tend to attract the handmade artists as well because I have that hands-on experience. So I don't have a particular niche. I mean, do I have male clients? Yes. Do I have ones from other side parts of the world? Yes. But, and this will come through our conversation today, I'm sure, is when you are speaking to someone very specifically, you will attract people who may not need all the criteria, but your message is so clear they yes. resonate with you and what you're saying. Instead of speaking to everyone, yeah. I speak to the one, and then I still am attracting that other potential. Yeah. That's one of the top things that I like to coach when people are looking at creating content. They're new to media, marketing, content creation. Find an avatar, and we're just going to try and solve that one person's problem. Let's not worry about all the other people that could use your services. Hone in and focus. Yeah. So let's learn a little bit more about the services you offer. Do you have a favorite service that if you could just do one thing, I know that you do a lot, but what one (laughs) thing is your top favorite and uh, what what do you offer people? I love everything that I do now. Okay. Because before, if you'd asked me when I was a VA, what do I love? Do I love scheduling? No, I love the writing and it's the storytelling, really. I know I've said that a few times in this call, but it's really tell me what's unique about you. What's happening in your Mm. life? What are you taking for granted? Because it's, you're a victim of your own zone of genius because Mm. it's, it's exciting to me. I'm looking at your setup right now, Matt, and you are definitely a sound guy. Like you have a wall behind you of all of like the sound, uh, I don't know what they're called, but reflectors. piles of microphones. Yeah, that quadratic diffuser, it's his fancy name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that intrigues me. And you probably just think, oh, doesn't everybody have that in their office? No, they don't. No, no, why not? Why, do they not care about sound? Come on, guys. Why are they not in your office? <laughs> so really unpacking that. And then whichever yeah. way we deliver it, you know, the blog posts, the social me- media posts, or the email, that's the cherry yeah. on top for me. It's really the interaction, the personal connection, and just, you know, drawing drawing out. Do you find some people are easier to get this information out of than other people? Yes. Uh, How do you break down your clients to make sure that you've got the story? It's also part of coaching. I do coach them a little bit as well. So it's not... Yes, I will have clients who are very clear on their message and they're very clear on their products and services. I'm going to use event planners for this example because I happen to have a lot of those right now. I collaborate with an event planning coach. So we've been working together since the beginning of her business. And often the ones who have the hardest times are the event planners who come to me and say, well, I can do any event. I can do a birthday party, a wedding, a corporate event. I can do picnics. I can do teas. Like they can do everything. So then we, I have to stand back and say, I know you can do everything. And I share my journey of how I was a VA. I could do anything. But what lights you up? If you had a mm. wedding and a birthday party client at the same time, which would you choose and why? Yeah. 
Then they become very clear on their message. And I, again, I explained how I was saying for me, do I have male clients? Yes, they're not my ideal avatar, but I do. So when like attracts like, yeah, sure. Especially in that type of business, it's word of mouth. But in all businesses, it's really word of mouth. It's you're you're working with people, not a business, you know, name. So if they chose weddings, for example, when they go to a wedding, they're more likely to have people approach them and say, "Oh, my daughter's getting married. I love what you did here. Can I have your card?" Yeah. So that's how you build your business and your expertise. Then you're known as the wedding planner instead of just the random event planner. Yeah, yeah. So so that is honing in. So those clients who are clear and they say, I'm a wedding planner and I focus on intimate weddings of under 50 people on a beach or you know in a nature locale. So the more specific you can be, the more we can really get those stories because you're going to attract those people. And again, as we spoke, you're speaking to your avatars. Then you'll get someone who maybe wants 100 people, but still likes one aspect of what you're talking about. I like that. So the process is always to try, if I'm a new client and I've come to you, we're going to start as small and as niche as we can. And we're going to work to that strength as hard and fast as possible. And then we'll worry about, we're not going to run out of content on that for now. Let's build the authenticity in that subject matter. What do you love doing? So that people can learn to connect almost instantly because of your passion coming through, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm interested to touch on authenticity there. It's often a little bit controversial paying someone to sort of represent your business, especially for expert brand businesses where there's a figurehead, mm-hmm. a charismatic leader. Um, what is your opinion on authenticity and having that online persona and that combined with reality? Again, people buy from people. So if you're a solopreneur, I challenge you to consider consider being the face of the business. I'm going to use my own example again, because I don't want to speak for anyone else. But, and if you look at my Instagram, it's ER Marketing Services on Instagram. You can see my journey. I've saved some of the older posts, but originally it was just text. And then I was sharing stock photos and I study. I mean, this is what I love to do. This is, I need to test and pivot when it doesn't work. And I was noticing that the occasional pictures of myself were far outperforming the stock photos in terms of engagement, reactions, and reach as a result. So I decided that I need to start walking my talk and also noticing that the trend right now is short videos, TikTok, Instagram reels. They got rid of their IGTV. They're really focusing on short videos. And what I really like about that is Essentially, you have 30 seconds to unpack one small aspect of your business. Mm. So you really get into it deeper than you even thought you could while having fun and being creative. Back to your question that, yeah. And back to your question of the face of the business, if that's not you, or if you're in a larger setup where you have quite a bit of a team, I would have one person. You can even hire influencers on Fiverr who will do videos for you. Right. But they will give you brand recognition as well. 
Okay, and yet now you think that's that doesn't compete with that. Are we being authentic if we're bringing someone in to be that face of the business or the brand? It's all about your messaging. What are you having them say? Okay. Are they do they have no knowledge of it, or are you giving them a script and they're just delivering what you've already, what your core value as a business owner is? Hmm. So it's about the shared value system, and it's making sure that you're pre-qualifying whatever you do against your values of your business and your brand. Correct. Because what would be the difference of an influencer, ver- which essentially is becoming a team member mm. or, or another team member who's doing that, who may be on full-time instead of freelance? So going back to your point about the success you found with your own imagery to build your brand, is that thematic against all businesses that you've kind of worked with as, as an agency? I would say when we study the analytics of the past, Mm. any pictures or videos that they have done, they are getting the most engagement. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. I like how people utilize data, especially in marketing, because I think it's a a yin and a yang for marketing. That data is there, but at the same time, creativity doesn't feel like it needs data. (laughs) How do you, you as a, a marketing professional in ER marketing, how do you use data to influence the content creation or your strategy? We analyze the past months. We study what is working well, what is getting traction, Why isn't it getting traction? We thought this one was knocked out of the park and it was just a dud. So you can try and repost it. Maybe it was the day and time that it was posted. If something happens in the world and you had it on a schedule and people were just, you know, then right now the Ukraine situation is happening. So if you have been not sensitive to that and your audience would be sensitive to that, then they're not thinking about following, you know, looking at what you're doing. They are looking at the news. They Mm. are getting different updates or they are, you know, in their own head dealing with whatever crisis is happening at the time. So it could be timing of what else is happening that your audience would be distracted with. It could be, was it the message? Maybe we didn't have a call to action in our, our, I'm using social media here, but maybe we didn't have a call Mm. to action that resonated with someone. Perhaps we wanted to our goal was to get people to engage and comment, but we asked too vague a question, like, how was your day? That's very vague. Right. Or <laughs> did you eat lunch today? Yeah. Or what did you have for lunch today? Something very specific instead of, don't make me think about it. Make it very easy for me to respond to. Giving people the choice to not respond. It's yes. kind of better to have the A or B. Mm-hmm. Um, for someone that's new to launching their own content, whether it's a YouTube channel, social media, or a podcast, data and what you've just gone through there can seem incredibly overwhelming. Well, do you have any suggestions for someone starting out to not feel like the whole like strategy and data side of marketing is just so overwhelming? Yes. And first, I'm going to acknowledge that I'm a word girl. I am not a numbers girl, okay? So data is a little bit overwhelming to me too. So I pick and choose what I look at. What was our goal for the campaign or for the month? What are people... So I'll use an example. Usually our goal is we want to engage with people 
-hmm. get them to engage on our post, somehow react to it, see what they are liking so that we can create more content of what they like. Was it the subject? Was it the picture? Was it because it was video format? So we play with Mm -hmm. those. And the other part is questioning, again, social media specifically, did I Mm. also reciprocate and engage on other people's posts? Because if I didn't, is that why people didn't come visit me? Sometimes it's tit for tat. Oh, you responded on a couple of my comments. I'm going to go give you some love. I'm going to check you out. You've piqued my interest. Right. So there are a couple of things that play into there. And, you know, what were your goals? Did you get leads? Did you get people clicking on your profile bio? Those are different things I look at. It always feels like there's always more questions, isn't there? Yes. How do you stop overwhelm? Well, what do you want to learn about? Or what do you want people to do? Did they do it? Is the the simplest question, isn't it? It's what Mm -hmm. is the objective? Yes. And did they do it? If they didn't do it, then there's a whole series of of more questions you can ask. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have any top tips for preventing that overwhelm and preventing people just stopping? just stopping dead in their tracks because they're like, well, these three things didn't work. I must be rubbish. Yes. Marketing is supposed to be fun and creative. Fun. And I know, And if you don't love to be creative, then you need to find someone who does love that. And if you're not loving what you're doing, you're not going to do it. Of course not. So that would be the ultimate thing. If it's not fun for you, that's why I'm here. That's why other businesses like mine are here is because I live and breathe this stuff. I love it. I I like it when clients, I mean, I don't like when clients are overwhelmed, but I like the effect I can have on someone who's overwhelmed and they say, I just had to show up for an hour and I got a month's worth of social media done and you're going to take care of it. And they're having fun because similar to our conversation, I'm so lit up. I love talking about this. You're going to love talking about what it is that you, why you started your business. You don't have to worry about the, oh, now I have to do something with that information. Yeah. So let's talk about that journey from someone having that. How often would people need to have a call uh, to sort of do a whole month of social media? Let's say we're going to post three times a week. Mm -hmm. Um, Do we need, I, I like to teach people to have Genesis content. And what I mean by Genesis content is a larger piece of content that has a few ideas in it or one big theme. Um, And that might be a podcast, for instance, like this. I would then take this podcast and I might turn it into two blogs, maybe, because we might be talking about two different things within the interview. And then I might promote the blog with social media. And then I might use some of the snippets from the podcast as more content. But there's always that genesis piece of content. Is that a similar way that you work or? Yes, there are a variety of ways that clients will give me content. So the event mm. planners tend to, just for example, they're service-based, but yeah, they, sure. don't, they don't create podcasts because they're at the beginning phase of their business. They haven't gone that far. You're more advanced in your business, but they we're still figuring out their message. Okay. That is when the the interview style is very helpful for them. However, after a couple months of doing it, I just say, oh, are we still promoting this? Great. I know what to write now because I understand your business. And that's also part of our partnership is the more we work together, the more I learn about your business, 
the more we market, the more you're going to get busy with clients and what you love to do. So then you can rely on me more. It's a symbiotic relationship there. Um, and also yeah. I give permission to my clients, don't do it all at once. So you're talking about, you know, you're advanced, you have everything established, but let's start with your strategy and your goals. Next step is what makes sense to start with first? Does your business need a website or do you need an injection of clients? So we should really be looking at social media or your email list, which could you know, they're they're closer to the buyer. Mm. Once we establish that, let's say it's website in this case. So we would finish your website. And as we're doing each step, your message, again, is getting clearer because I'm asking you the questions. You're having to think about it. And once the website is done, does it make sense to do blog posts or to do social media? And then as social media, are you eventually wanting to email people? Well, then we need to start collecting email addresses through your social posts. So we always have our eye on the overall strategy and we fold Mm. in the next step so that my client is not overwhelmed. Now let's talk about a more advanced person who does have their own content uh, creation, a podcast, Mm. or they're already blogging and they just want to multiply what they're already doing, then you could just hand over a transcript to me and the team and we will make it happen. However, we decide you want to disperse it. But podcasts and even those short videos that I do, I was thinking, okay, I mean, my team loves it when I'm like, okay, I'm creating all this original content. Yay, you have more original stuff because they don't, (laughs) we don't have to meet. They just take the transcript or listen to my 30-second video, use that as a springboard to expand on it and make it a standalone blog post. Mm. But uh, in addition to making blog posts and social media, make sure you're getting quotables in there. Okay, what do you mean by quotables for, for those that don't know? Yes, so a quotable would be what I said in less than a sentence about giving yourself permission to to master one aspect of your digital marketing at a time. So mm-hmm. make that a standalone quote and then say Elizabeth Roof. And that's a picture. Yeah. That could be a standalone. You could also embed that in your blog post or expand on that, you know, put the quote as a standout image in an email and then explain what you meant by it in the description. Okay. And I think that's that comes back around to knowing what your objective is and having a strategy. Um, yes. There's lots of marketing gurus out there that would say, don't start with the shortest of short forms, take it, derive it from something. But what you're saying there is, if that's all you've got time for, or that's all you've got the bandwidth for, or that's all you're comfortable with, as long as you know what you want to do with it, you can start with a 30-second video. Or you can Correct. start with almost your own quote. It could just be a quote. I know a lot of people repurpose things they've posted on Twitter and expand on it on LinkedIn or mm-hmm. Instagram. But the fundamental of it is that just simple strategy. Yes. Which combines goal and brand values, pretty much. Did I get that? Yes. Yeah. So in terms of creating content, what do you recommend? I, I see there's two sort of thoughts here. There's uh, expert brands and businesses that have everything that they know about their expert brand or business, and they are inspired by their own workings, right? 
And then there's the other side of things, which is being aware of what the trends are, what the questions mm -hmm. are being asked around that subject matter. How do you flip between those two sort of points of influence, I guess you could say they are, right? Yes. I'm going to talk about how I do my editorial calendar, if that's okay, because I yeah, think this please. might answer yeah, it. That's great. So when I look at my short videos, what I do is, and you feel free if you need inspiration for your content, anyone who's listening, use this. I go to answer the public yep. and I type in website, I type in social media, I type in every single pillar of my business and I get all those questions. I answer the who, what, when, where, why, how. I also have Google Alerts set up. Okay. So whenever there is anything in the news on websites or, you know, a business strategy or marketing strategy, I have a couple different terms that I have emailed to me. They yep. will link to articles that have come out. So it's relevant trending content that a third party has put out. Mm -hmm. And the third thing that I do is what's my unique position on one of my pillars and a combination of all of those three things mm -hmm. will give me my original content. Sometimes I even look at the other articles, I read them, but I put my own spin on it. Yep. So I could use it as a contrarian where, okay, everyone's saying this, but we believe this. Yeah, as long as you stand by it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that is how you can get inspired to create your own content calendar that touches on all three of those, a current trend, your own knowledge, passion, and what people are actually asking for. Answerthepublic.com is one of my favorite. Yes, it's a, it's a popular one. It's good yes. to go to just to see, just to sort of start to feel the idea. You mentioned pillars there. Mm -hmm. For those that don't know or they're just ready to launch some content, they just want to be a content creator. Maybe it's to get more leads or to grow their network. You talked about pillars. Can you expand on what pillars are for people, please? Yes. So a pillar would be what your main product or service categories would fall under. I will use mine and an event planner example so you can see it in a couple different workings. So the event planner pillars, their big umbrella is events. Their pillars would be if they do weddings, milestone events, corporate events, birthday parties might be a standalone. And this is a little technical, but I think you need to know this. It's how we're going to use keywords and phrases that people are looking for to attract them to us. Okay. wherever that is on the digital media. Because you still use keywords when you're describing social media. You use hashtags. You use it because people think about how you would search for someone who offers a service or product that you do. So that's one example. And then for my business, my pillars are website. So it's digital marketing is my big umbrella. I help with marketing strategy, website content, blog posts, social media posts, and emails or newsletters. Those are my five pillars. Mm -hmm. And how many pillars are too many pillars? I'd say if you're getting over seven, that's a lot. Um, try yeah. and get creative and put them... Three to five is a sweet spot. Yeah, sure. In my, in my opinion. 
And it's it's all about creatively packaging them too. It is. So I have the, uh, let's, let's use something that is really big that I've packaged together. The event planners who say, well, I can do... Uh, birthday parties and anniversaries and graduations and uh, sweet 16 parties. So what I suggest is uh, plus weddings, plus corporate events, plus all these other things. Okay, those are milestone events then. And then maybe the baby showers, gender reveals, uh, christenings, those would be baby events. See how we've packaged it? But people who are looking for baby events are likely looking for all three of those eventually. Yes, that makes perfect sense. Just to summarize, I guess, pillars should be aware of keywords. Something you should be having a a good look around and seeing what keywords are relevant. For instance, when I launched this business in 2020, we did some SEO research and we realized that no one was searching for podcast coaches. Mm-hmm. Just wasn't, people weren't searching that term. However, people were searching for how to start a podcast or how to edit a podcast, which main, mainly sort of changed my attitude towards what I needed to be producing content-wise, hence this podcast launch, is to serve that need. Is no one's going to Google a content creation coach because what, what even is it, right? We're not mm-hmm. there yet in the industry. And then being aware that your pillars can be too broad a term, Digital marketing is not a pillar. You do more than that, so break it down. But as you gave with the example with the baby events, you don't want too many pillars, so you package them back up and it's finding that happy medium, five to seven, seven tops pillars, right? Yes. That's great. Do you have any advice for introverts and marketing? I see this a lot where people love the idea of starting a podcast because it's audio only, If you want it to be audio only, there are videos. This is being recorded as a video. But they sort of say, I want to do my own marketing, but I don't really want to see myself or put myself at the front like that. This may shock you, but I'm actually an introvert. Okay. But, but I don't appear as one in this podcast because I'm talking about what I'm passionate about Mm -hmm. and what I know yeah. If you were asking me a question about golf or, you know, something that I, uh, I'd be quiet. I would just listen because I don't know anything about it. So as a content creator, what can you talk about for days? And as an introvert, you have those passions that will come out. You may take a little bit longer to find what it is that you love. But if you're doing a business, you're passionate about what you're offering. Yeah. Get into the why you do it. Yep. You can even write a who, what, when, where, why, how list mm-hmm. that you can rotate the content that you share. Okay, who do I serve? Yeah. I'm going to speak to them today and why I why I serve those people. How do I deliver it? What is my offer? Yeah. And that may be a couple different offers. So you could even have, if you did Monday through Friday, you know, 5WH, Monday through Saturday, you could just rotate it and change the service or the pillar that you talk about on each of those. Right. Don't let being an introvert mean that you don't have a voice. You do have a voice. You just need to get confidence that you have something to say. Is that key, isn't it? That confidence. Um, what do you, I mean, doing the 30 second videos, 
Do you overthink them? If you do overthink them, how do you just get them done? <laughs> I don't overthink them because I have my base. Okay. What I, what I overthought was my process. Now that I have a workflow and a source for the content, yep. I literally say on Mondays, I want to talk about websites. On Tuesdays, I'm going to talk about social media. On when, you know, Wednesdays, I'm going to talk about emails. I rotate it. Or on Fridays, I share a lead magnet to tr- because one of my goals is I want to grow my email list. Yes. Because eventually I want to have a course. Yep. Another, another thing that lights me up of why I do it is I'm a task checklist person. I want to check it off. Okay, yeah. And I believe that done is better than waiting for it to be perfect or whatever that phrase is. Done is good enough. And if I'm having fun doing it, how can I go wrong? I've gotten feedback that people like my energy because they can tell that I'm having fun with it. Okay, maybe when I point to something on Instagram, a text box, my timing is off. I can laugh at myself (laughs) and next time I'll just work on my timing a little better. It's all, and and also everyone starts at zero. You might have zero people watching those first flubs, but you've put yourself out there and you can use it as a teachable. If anyone comes back and says, oh, that was a little rough compared to what you do now. Yeah, but look at how much I've learned. Yeah. I know that was where I was going to go next is okay. that starting with an audience of zero yes. and getting over that. I, I guess a question I want to ask quickly before, have you ever removed content that you've put out and why? Yes, I have archived content. Archived it. I like that very uh, very selective <laughs> term you've used there. I'm not taking yes. it down. It's just not visible to the rest of the world yet. Correct. And part of my strategy for archiving and not deleting is because then any of my engagement will still work towards me. I haven't deleted all of those um, analytics boosts. But okay. I've archived it because I've changed direction. I may not offer that product or service anymore the way that I... When I was a VA, I was offering scheduling. I don't do that anymore. So it's not aligned with my brand anymore. You know, I had Elizabeth Ruth VA or something like virtual assistant related to it as part of the text. So I archived it. So there are a lot of reasons why I've done it, um, why I've taken Mm. things down. I think a lot of people are afraid of making mistakes. I think this is what I'm trying to get across to people is, is, you know, they say, you know, jump, build the parachute as you jump off the cliff and stuff like that. But <laughs> what I'm trying to get, what I'm trying to get home to people is like, it's okay to start and then just to yes. archive some stuff, you know. Yes. Um, it's not being afraid of making that mistake. And I use the term introvert, which I think really people are using these days are for lack of confidence. It's not that people are actually introverted. It's Correct. that they're afraid of making mistakes they're afraid of looking the fool. People almost cringe about how good it might look in three years so they don't start now, right? <laughs> you've, got, you've got to have the tricycle before you get on the bicycle. You've got to have those training wheels. You, otherwise, you're never going to learn to ride the bike fully. It's, you're just going to be on a tricycle forever. And um, I think that's kind of why I wanted to see there was warts and all. What have you hidden from the world and why did you hire it and... Where do we go from there? What mm-hmm. Do you use it as that learning moment? Yes, as you said, that's part of your data. All that uh, growth comes from those bits of content that maybe weren't up to par. 
Right. However, I mean, as someone who is trying to model as well, one of me being mm. visible is I encourage my clients, look, everyone loves your face. You need to get on this trend. Yeah, and yeah. I and I coach them and try and encourage them. Even you, if if it's and what is the hesitation? I think that's the bigger question, Matt. What is the hesitation? Yeah. Is it that you don't know what to talk about? Or yeah. you don't want to put your face. If you look on TikTok, Duolingo is an account. Mm. Barbie, Barbie has an account. So Duolingo is a language uh, teaching app, I think. And they yeah. have their mascot. It's not someone's face. It's the owl, the mascot. The little owl, isn't it? Yeah, the green yep. owl, yeah. And he shows up and, and they just follow him. Barbie. They do stop motion and she's got some good messages. I was really shocked, but I love it. I love it all about girl power and Black History Month. Whoever is running that account, wow, hats off to you. They've got it going really, on. Yeah. Really good. And um, they're using that as their messaging. So if you have mm. a product and you believe in your product. Yes. So I I design the knit and crochet character hats for my handmade business, The Ruthless Crafter. Cool. What about if I was featuring Spike? It's just out of reach. I wish I could reach it. I'd, I'd show it to you. But what about <laughs> if I was launching a monster collection, which I have in the past, couldn't I showcase this hat in different situations? Hmm. Uh, now, now that market, just to illustrate the point a little further, is parents, mostly moms of children who are ages four to eight years old. And my, mm -hmm. my message is imaginative play. That is the base of the business, promoting imaginative play. You can wear the hat as a traditional, you know, keep your head warm. You can use it to become the character or you can use it as a puppet to act out the story that goes with it. So uh, this is just to illustrate how you could maybe do it. So what about if I did a day in the life of Spike, a day in the life of Herbie the monster, and I am not showing myself, maybe I'm doing voiceover, maybe not. You don't even have to use your voice. You can type in text and use voiceover capabilities. That's a little more advanced, but if you're on those platforms, you can have the voiceover option. There are very creative ways that you can have a business face without being your face if that is absolutely a no-go for you yeah that's yeah that's great advice like it again and it boils down to those two fundamental things that you keep touching on which is having a strategy and telling a story mm -hmm. if you've got those two then it kind of comes together you don't have to worry about making the mistakes you just have to get out there and give it a go that's mm -hmm. awesome and one of the funny things that I would like to point out is <laughs> some of the biggest flops get the biggest reaction because they're funny. Yeah. And and TikTok is very popular because it's not polished. It's people just showing up raw. And that's why that audience is really exploding because it's people just yeah. trying. It's not Instagram yes. and filtered. And even reels, people show up, but it's still curated a little bit more than TikTok. Yeah. So here's your permission. If you want to just try it out, try TikTok. It's very, very forgiving, the audience and the platform. It's a great way to get over that perfectionism problem. Because I think you touched on it already. For my brand and business, having bad audio 
isn't going to work. Yes. But if I had bad audio because it was behind the scenes footage or it was giving people access to something they traditionally wouldn't, then it's not going to have the mic. It's not going to have the room set up. We might be somewhere else. And that allows that kind of freedom to not fall away from brand. But do you, do you know what I mean? Like yes. we've got a stand, you've got a marketing agency. If you were writing bad blogs or demonstrating bad grammar in your marketing, that would be bad for business. But if someone watched you making the mistakes on a TikTok or on a rant video, it gives you that human connection, I guess, is where I'm trying to go with this. Absolutely. Yeah. And take that opportunity to flip it either in that video or in the next video. So in your example, Matt, you are using the mm. unedited audio that makes you cringe as an audio professional. Then in your next, so you're showing that video in the next, you're in your setup and you say, okay, this feels so much better. It's It feels more yeah. me. Excuse me while I had my shirt off or, you know, whatever. Yeah, you, can, yeah. you can do a parody video on the one that maybe you regret. That's good. It's just creating that life cycle for the content. It doesn't just yes. ah, stop. Oh, no, don't do it again. Come back, be honest, show up, keep showing up over and over. Mm -hmm. Elizabeth, this has been incredible. I would like to jump onto my uh, show ritual questions to wrap up this interview, if that's all right. Absolutely. So I've modified these. Uh, it's traditionally what is the hardest part of podcasting is my first question. But I want to modify that is what is the hardest part about just any content creation for you personally? Getting started. Yeah. Because once I'm doing it, then I enjoy it and I regret not starting it sooner. And that's in all aspects. Why didn't I do this sooner? It's so much fun. I love it. Yeah, Even, yeah. you know, being a guest on podcasts, I started in November and I was so nervous. I remember talking to my coach yeah. and some colleagues. I'm oh, still nervous now. Yeah. <laughs> and now after doing, oh, I think I've done about 20 now. I love it. I you want to yeah. you want me to spend an hour talking about marketing? Let's go. Yeah. So it really changes your perspective once you get started. Yeah, finding that passion point and going from there. What kind of uh, content or marketing inspires you? Stories and any stories? Anything specific that's always been a, a fond favorite of yours? I love the the why behind things. I'm going to give you an example of someone who I follow on TikTok. Again, talk about raw. This woman goes into graveyards and cleans tombstones from 1800s, 1600s. She cleans okay. them. And she ex she explains her process of how okay, don't use a wire brush because the limestone, you know, blah blah blah. She right. has gone into the archives and tells the story of that person's life and what they died of. Wow, that's a and if they're, great yeah, idea. If they're buried, but yeah, if they're buried um if they are buried beside a sibling or a spouse, yeah, how's that? It's not her that's original amazing. content. It's her sharing a passion, and she's just researched the story, and that is her content stream. Yeah. I mean, she's retelling a story as well yes. that might have been forgotten, which I always think is kind of a, a nice. Nice thing to do is to relive these. I've years I've been working in TV and I've done hundreds of documentaries and it's amazing the the stories that are out there that no one knows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's an awesome one. Um, next, 
who holds you accountable? As a so well, as the head of my business, I do. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd like to think, even though it's me technically who has to show up. Yeah. I also pretend that my audience cares that I show up. So I want to be accountable for them. I don't know if they're holding me accountable, but I want to be accountable for them because I believe my message will help their business. Yeah, so you've created that position of, I think there's someone, I want there to be someone out there that wants me to be accountable for continually showing up and delivering high quality content. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, What small change have you made that's made the biggest difference to your content creation? Doing short videos. Yeah. And everything I do is based on my goals. I am one of those people in a ship. Tell me which island I want to hit. I steer it and I go for it. For me, I started doing the short videos because I wanted to build my content. Mm -hmm. I wanted to test my message, see how it was landing with people. Even podcast hosts, seeing what they light up and what we really unpack as part of the conversation has been really, really powerful for my message to get stronger. And I want to have a course. So I need to be confident on camera. I need to have that message tight. I want to build my audience. That's why my lead generation. I want to have collaborations with other people, not for me to get, get, but I want to give, 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 and then ask, which really is a fundamental underlying marketing strategy. Mm. You give information, you give information, then you invite someone to join you on your list, on your journey of what you're doing if they like what they hear. Yeah, but it's got to have that give, give. You can't just ask straight away. With your 30-second videos, just as just a nerdy bit uh, mm-hmm. here, uh, what, are, you, are they just on your phone? Are you storing them somewhere? Are you having them transcribed for <laughs> later searchability? Right now, it's my phone. And I put it in a stand with a little ring light. I learned a really cool trick where I speak to the right side. I stop it, speak to the left side so that I'm getting a little bit of jump cuts. And um, nice, it's a really, really simple way to add interest to me just talking. Sometimes I dance. I'm testing. Do people like it when I dance? Do they like when I just talk to the camera? Do they like it when I have short jump cuts and it's more visual? Do they like it when there's text? So I'm testing all of that. Um, Sorry, what was the question? I got all excited about talking about strategy. It's about storing those those videos. No, no, I love it. Um, It was about, yeah, do you store them somewhere or are they just, do you sit, are they can throw away content for you? Do they have a, a shelf life for you? Will you reuse them or go back to them? Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually exploring that right now. I'm pretty new. Mm. I've only been doing it since January, the short videos. Let me just see. We store them on my Google Drive because I have one of my team members. We reuse it. We repurpose it. As you were mentioning before with your podcast, what I do is I use something called SnapTick and it strips off the TikTok watermark. It's free. So then I download it to my Google Drive. I create a Canva 
thumbnail. I make it a YouTube short. It goes on my LinkedIn page. It goes on my LinkedIn business page. It goes on my Pinterest as a short. Everywhere that has short videos, we pretty much put it out there. My whole thing, just get it done, put it out there. My goal is to help people. How can I maximize who is seeing it? My question right now that I've been asking myself is I really should be using these as blog content. Mm, And I suspect I'm going to, maybe I won't embed them. I might not transcribe them, but I'll use the seed of the idea to make a standalone post and expand on. Interesting. Now that's really interesting to know. I think the, the short video content is such a new sort of style of content. I always wonder whether people are how they're repurposing them and and how to utilize them better. Mm -hmm. Um, What advice would you give to a new content creator or someone about to approach their own marketing? Remember that everyone starts at zero. It's okay. It's actually better for building your confidence when no one's watching at the beginning. Live videos on Facebook, when I I do them, I don't do live videos. I don't love them. It makes me no. really nervous trying to me too. admin yeah. and moderate like the chat and all of that. So I actually, when I have to do live videos, I pray that nobody comes on. <laughs> so embrace no the No one leave zero. a comment, please. No yes. one leave a comment, please. Exactly. I don't know how to reply. I'm looking all <laughs> over the place. Yeah, definitely embrace <laughs> the zero. That's what I would say. That is a great tip. Uh, yeah. And again, people would normally use that as a negative. Oh, there's no one going to be there. Great. It's an empty auditorium. You can dance on stage and do whatever you want. Just get comfortable being on the stage. Yeah, that's superb advice. And see that I would use that as a quotable. I would use that as a quotable. Embrace the zero. Elizabeth Ruth. <laughs> yes, I see. And now we've used a quotable in place. Great example. That's awesome. Um, what three values do you want to be known for through your content creation? I want to be known for modeling my what I'm share what I'm teaching, being a storyteller because that's what I'm all about. Clearly, I think I've mentioned that how many times throughout this interview? <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, storytelling, and yeah. then give, share. Don't keep what I've learned to myself. Share it with other people. Nice. Very nice. And my final question for today is, what do you think makes a good leader? I think that someone who leads by example, Mm -hmm. who can also laugh at themselves when things don't go how you planned and can use that as an opportunity to pivot, whether you scrap the project, you figure out why didn't it work, what can we do better, give it a chance, change the workflow or the strategy or the delivery of it. So when it goes sideways, just business doesn't have to be so serious. Everyone thinks that they have to do it right. And it's so serious. Have fun because think about when you attend a party. Are you going to make an effort to talk to the person who's sitting in the corner, not even making eye contact and, you know, just staring into their mug of beer? Or are you going to want to go to the person who is making an effort and engaging with people, even though maybe they had an extra drink, okay, you know, they might be (laughs) snoring a little, but they are making an effort to ask about you, show an interest, share. Nice. Which one is going to light you up and who do you want to be? Yeah, 
showing up and being there, being present. That is awesome. Well, Elizabeth, this has been awesome. You've illuminated me into approaching marketing from a different way. Uh, I think the strategy and the story just makes life so much easier. Don't be afraid to make mistakes is a great message. Uh, and I think too many people get in their own way. I definitely got in my own way when I was starting. I thought, oh, I don't want to share all my golden nuggets or you know, speak to no one, when really you're never going to get an audience if you don't just stand up and speak, right? Correct. And think about, you've heard me talk today. I've shared parts of my process. Do you know how I put it all together? Not necessarily. Could you figure it out? Yes. But if you, mm. I feel that you know that I know what I'm speaking about. So if you wanted to work with me, you could. Or mm. if you wanted to figure it out on your own and at any point you got overwhelmed, you'd say, oh, I need to talk to Elizabeth because I know that she knows what she's talking about. So put yeah. that in your perspective as you delivering your message, sharing your nuggets and yeah. how your audience is perceiving it. They know that you know what you're talking about and where to go when they either are too busy because it worked and they had figured yeah. it out and they can't do it or they're overwhelmed still and they need guidance. Great, great message. Well, thank you again. And uh, yeah, look forward to speaking again soon. Definitely. And thank you, Matt, and everyone who's listening today as well. Awesome. And that is the end. Thank you for listening to the Cult Creator Experience. I hope this has been helpful. If you have any questions, topics, or feedback you would like to give me, hit me up on Instagram at cult.media, K-U-L-T media. And if you need help launching your podcast, growing your podcast, or just starting your content creation journey, let me know. I'd love to give you a hand or answer any questions you might have. Head over to cult.media to book yourself a free call. We can have a little powwow about podcasting and content. And until next time, be good.